0: Amen. You may be seated. And let's open our Bibles together to Psalm 51. Psalm 51. I'm going to read and preach verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 51 this evening. This is a psalm of confession where David confesses his sin against God to God. His sin of adultery with Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah and all the other sins downstream from that first sin. We often use this psalm as our corporate confession of sin before we take the Lord's Supper together. And it is a great model for our private confession of sin to the Lord. And I trust the Lord will use it this evening to open our eyes more to the sinfulness of our sin and to the goodness of God's grace. We need that. I think it's all too easy for us to have these things become rather ordinary. It's all too easy for our vision of our sin and God's grace to become blurry. It's all too easy for our hearts to become numb to these great and glorious realities. But God can sharpen our vision and soften our hearts by his word. He did it for David and he can do it for us. And so let's ask Him to open our eyes more to our sin and His grace through the reading and the preaching of His word now. Let's pray. Our God, we ask you to do that work in us that only you can do. Open our eyes, the eyes of our hearts, more to the sinfulness of our sin and to the goodness of your grace. Please work in each of our hearts by the power of your spirit, young and old together. Teach us to confess our sins to you more frequently, more sincerely, and to look to you alone in faith for the forgiveness of our sins. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 51, reading down through verse 2. This is the inspired, inerrant, and infallible word of God. To the choir master, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. We're going to follow the three headings there in your sermon notes. First, we're going to look at the context of the psalm given to us in the inscription. Then we'll look at the confession David makes to God. Finally, we'll consider the cleansing God provides for David and for all who come to him in faith, confessing their sins and looking to Christ for forgiveness. So, context, then confession, then cleansing. First, in terms of the context of the psalm, we're told in the inscription that this is a psalm that David wrote when Nathan the prophet went to him after David had gone into Bathsheba. Now, you may remember the story, unless you're not familiar with the Bible. Back in 2 Samuel chapter 11, we're told what happened. Late one afternoon, King David was walking on the roof of his house, and he looked down and saw a woman named Bathsheba, and she was bathing. And even though he knew she was the wife of Uriah, he committed adultery with her, and she became pregnant. And then after an unsuccessful cover-up, he had her husband, Uriah, killed and he took Bathsheba as his wife. And he lived with all these unconfessed sins for a time until Nathan the prophet came and confronted him about them. And I want you to see how Nathan confronts David. Turn back to Second Samuel for a moment, if you would. Second Samuel chapter 12. The story of David and Bathsheba is in chapter 11, but I want us to read chapter 12, verses 1 through 7 where Nathan confronts David. Second Samuel chapter 12, I'll read verses 1 through 7. And the Lord sent Nathan to David. He came to him and said to him, There were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Nathan said to David, You are the man. God used Nathan's parable to remove the scales From David's eyes. And he saw his sin. He saw that he was the rich man in the parable. He was the one who did such a horrible deed, and he deserved to die. And he turned to God for mercy and forgiveness. That's the context of this psalm. But even though that is the context, that does not mean, let me be clear, that the psalm only applies to big sins. It applies to, quote-unquote, little sins, too, if there even is such a thing. Surely, we wouldn't say that only big sins need to be confessed. It's not like big sins are a big deal, and so those need to be confessed, but little sins are little, so we don't need to bother God by confessing those. No, all sin is serious. Every sin is an offense against God, no matter its size. As our shorter catechism puts it, every sin deserveth God's wrath and curse, both in this life and that which is to come. So even though the context of this particular psalm is a very big sin, multiple very big sins, still it can guide us as we seek to confess our quote-unquote little sins, our everyday sins, if you will, as well as our big sins. Because all sin is serious. Every sin needs to be confessed to the God who sees all. To the God who is ready to forgive all who come to him in faith. But with that said, let me say briefly that if you have sinned a big sin, something like like what David did here, or perhaps even worse, and you've never confessed that sin to God, And perhaps it's weighing heavily on your conscience even now. No sin is too big for God. No sin is too heavy for the cross. For Jesus to bear on his shoulders. God promises to forgive all our sins. When we come to him in simple faith and trust. The marvelous grace of our loving Lord is greater than all our sins. As we just sang. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 1, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. If God can save Paul, the chief of sinners, God can save you. If he can forgive the worst offender, the vilest offender, he can forgive you because the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, forgiveness receives. So turn from your sin in your heart. Confess your sin to the Lord. Believe his promise and receive his forgiveness. One more thing I'll say about the context. I think this should remind us of the responsibility we have to one another in the body of Christ, especially as fellow members of the same church who've taken the same vows of membership. This should remind us of the responsibility we have to one another to do what Nathan did for David whenever that is needed. David was blind to his sin. And he needed someone to come alongside him and carefully lift, lift up those blinders so that he could see his sin, so that he could confess his sin and be forgiven. Sometimes we need that too, don't we? Because we all have blind spots. We might not see things in our character or our choices or the way we're living our lives, but someone else might see, someone else might notice something that needs to be addressed, And if we love each other, we should be willing to do this for each other. We should be willing to have hard conversations with each other, to ask awkward questions of one another. Not because we've got it all figured out, but because we're trying to care for each other. If your basketball teammate starts dribbling the ball down the court the wrong way, towards the wrong basket, you don't just let them score on the wrong basket. You call out to them. You let them know they're going the wrong way, even if saying something might be hurtful or embarrassing for them temporarily. You do it because they're your teammate and you're looking out for them. We're all on the same team, team church, as we thought about this morning. And if one of us is going the wrong way, we should say something. We should say it in love. We should say it with gentleness and respect, but we should say something. Sometimes I think it's self-love that keeps us from saying something. But true love for each other sometimes means we need to say hard things to each other like you are the man. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Proverbs 27, 6. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Our goal shouldn't be to wound each other, that wouldn't be good. But sometimes, like a skillful surgeon with a scalpel, we need to quote-unquote wound in order to heal. Matthew Henry said, Those that have been overtaken in any fault ought to reckon a faithful reproof, the greatest kindness that can be done them, and a wise reprover, their best friend. I'm sure this was a hard conversation for Nathan to have with David, but look at what the Lord did through it. Now we have Psalm 51, so say something when that's needed. Say it in love, but say something. So that's about the context of the psalm. Let's think now about the confession we see in the first two verses, our verses for this evening. So this is our second main point now about confession. And here I want you to notice the three words David uses to describe his sin, to refer to what he did. The first is there at the end of verse one, blot out my transgressions. The second is in the first line of verse two, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and then the third is in the second line, and cleanse me from my sin, and he repeats those terms throughout the psalm, as well as adding other terms like evil and blood guiltiness, transgression, iniquity, and sin, those words highlight Three different aspects of what David did, like looking at the same object from three different angles. David confesses what he did and describes what he did first as transgression. That is, crossing the line, transgressing the boundary. And not just some arbitrary line or boundary, but the line and boundary of the law of God. And not just crossing that line, but also crossing the person who drew the line, God himself. So transgression is about crossing the line, God's line, and crossing God himself. David also confesses what he did and describes what he did as iniquity. That is, inward defilement, perversity of heart instead of purity of heart crookedness, twistedness, bentness, iniquity. And he confesses what he did and describes what he did as sin, that is, missing the mark. Not like he tried really hard, but he just happened to miss, but rather he deliberately fell short of the glory of God. He failed to conform to the law of God. He failed to live up to what God Requires He missed the mark in that sense. So transgression, iniquity, and sin. Crossing the line, defiling the heart, and missing the mark. David confesses to God that what he did was indeed transgression, iniquity, and sin. When we sin against God, we too should confess our sin to God. We shouldn't try to hide our sin. We shouldn't try to conceal our sin. We shouldn't try to just move on from our sin without really dealing with it. We shouldn't blame others for our sin. We shouldn't blame God for our sin. We should not excuse our sin or justify our sin. We shouldn't coddle our sin. We should confess our sin. We should drag it, kicking and screaming out into the light so that it can shrivel up and die. We should agree with God that what we did was wrong. We should tell him what we did. We should acknowledge what we did. We should admit it and own up to it instead of covering it up. We should take the blame for what we have done. And we can do all that. We can confess our sin to God with confidence in the grace and mercy of God, based on the promise of first John one nine if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness we 'll think about that cleansing in just a minute, but first, let me say two more things under this second main point about confession first it 's important to understand that confession is not a work we do to earn forgiveness from God. Confession is not a meritorious religious act that secures forgiveness from God. It's not like when we sin, we lose points with God, and we've got to confess in order to gain those points back. No, confession is not a work we do to earn forgiveness, but it is God's appointed means of forgiveness. It is the way God has ordained that we receive forgiveness. Just like our justification is earned by Christ, but then given to us when we believe, so our forgiveness is earned by Christ, but then given to us when we confess. And if we don't confess our sin, we can't receive forgiveness. Just like David. David wasn't forgiven until he acknowledged his sin. He wrote in Psalm 32, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Perhaps you've experienced that before when you have not yet confessed your sin to God. But then he says, I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Forgiveness is earned by Christ and received by us when we confess our sins to God. Secondly, true confession is enabled by the Spirit. True confession is not something we can just whip up using the ingredients that are already there in our heart. No, true confession is enabled by the Spirit of God. The Spirit convicts us of our sin and convinces us of the evil of our sin. He opens our eyes to see that we are the man. He sensitizes our conscience and softens our hearts. And he gives us the spiritual ability to make heartfelt confession of sin to God. Kids, I'm sure that you all know what it's like to say you're sorry, but not really mean it. Your parents know what that's like too. We all do. Confession isn't about just saying you're sorry to God, confession is about being sorry and saying you're sorry because you mean it. And the Holy Spirit is the one who makes us able to do that. The Holy Spirit is the one who works in our hearts to be able to truly confess. Like a pair of glasses helps us see what we couldn't see before, the Holy Spirit helps us see what we can't see on our own, the sinfulness of our sin. So one of the things we can all pray for is that the Spirit would show us our sin, that the Spirit of God would show us the sinfulness of our sin, And help us to truly confess it to God. Not just to say we're sorry, but to be sorry. And to say it because we mean it. And again, God's promise is that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Speaking of cleansing, let's look at that now. Our third and final main point, cleansing. David says four things to God as he cries out to him for cleansing. First, he says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. He doesn't say, Give me what I deserve, O God. He says, Withhold from me what I deserve. And give me what I don't deserve. Matthew Henry made an insightful comment about this. He said, David was, upon many accounts, a man of great merit. He had not only done much, but suffered much in the cause of God. And yet, when he is convinced of sin, he does not offer to balance his evil deeds with his good deeds, nor can he think that his services will atone for his offenses, but he flies to God's infinite mercy and depends upon that only for pardon." and peace so faced with his bad deeds David doesn't turn and look to his good deeds he turns and looks to the mercy of God and he says have mercy on me O God according to your steadfast love according to your covenant love according to your unfailing love according to your immovable unshakable unchangeable love And the same mercy and love available to David is available to you and me through Jesus Christ. It's the same God. It's the same mercy of God that we can cry out for. Like the tax collector did in Luke 18 that Pastor Deckard preached on not too long ago God, be merciful to me, a sinner. When we've sinned, we don't come to God with our resume in our hands. We don't come to God with a list of good things we've done in our hands. We come to him empty-handed, asking him for mercy. Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Second, he says, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Abundant mercy for abundant transgressions. A small cut needs only a small band-aid, but a gaping wound needs a whole lot more. Our abundant transgressions need God's abundant mercy, and abundant mercy is the kind of mercy God offers to sinners. God is merciful and gracious Exodus 34, 6 and 7 says, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. There is more mercy in Christ than sin in us, the Puritan Richard Sibbs once wrote. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, David prays. Blot them out, erase them from the book, delete them from the ledger. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Only the blood of Christ can remove the stain of our sin. Like we sang earlier, dark is the stain that we cannot hide What can avail to wash it away? Look, there is flowing a crimson tide, whiter than snow you may be today. Third, he says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Wash me thoroughly from my inward defilement. Wash me thoroughly from my perversity. Wash me thoroughly from my impurity. Wash me thoroughly. Wash me inside and out. Don't just clean the outside of the cup, clean the inside too. Wash my hands, but wash my heart also. Wash my feet, but wash my affections too. Wash the inner man as well as the outer man. Wash me through and through. Wash me thoroughly. We don't just need some hand sanitizer or a few sprays of Febreze. We need to be washed thoroughly. We need to be scrubbed and not like a hungry child washing her hands rather quickly before dinner but like a surgeon scrubbing his hands and arms vigorously and thoroughly before surgery. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. That's a good prayer for us to pray. Even while we're in the shower or perhaps taking a bath. Just like your body needs to be washed and is getting all clean, your soul needs to be washed and made clean through the blood of Christ. Which, of course, in one sense happens once for all when we first believe. But in another sense, it needs to happen every time we sin. It needs to happen every day as part of the process of sanctification. So it's good prayer for us to pray. I would encourage you to pray frequently. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, O God. And you can also pray, fourthly and finally, cleanse me from my sin. The blood of Jesus, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin, 1 John 1, 7. In the physical realm, Blood stains in the spiritual realm. Blood removes the stain. The blood of Christ removes the stain of our sin. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So we understand The context of the psalm, David's horrible sin, Nathan's loving confrontation. We see confession in David's words, especially in how he describes his sin as transgression, iniquity, and sin. Crossing that line, defiling the heart, missing the mark. And we see the cleansing that comes from God because of his abundant mercy and steadfast love. He washes us thoroughly when we come to him in repentance and faith. He cleanses us from our sin. This psalm helps us see the sinfulness of our sin and the goodness of God's grace, the marvelous grace of our loving Lord that we sang about, grace that exceeds our sin and guilt, grace that will pardon and cleanse within, grace that is greater than all our sin if you've never received this grace from Christ look to him in faith this evening whiter than snow you may be today if you have received this grace thank God for it and pray for more of it more mercy more love more washing more cleansing one day we won't need to pray this prayer anymore And what a day that will be. But until that day comes, let's keep going to Christ for cleansing. Let's keep looking to him for mercy. His mercy is abundant. His grace is greater than all our sin. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for giving us these words, these inspired words, these words of truth about the sinfulness of our sin and the goodness of your grace. We pray that you would help us to confess our sin to you like David did and to receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We pray that you would wash us and cleanse us from our sin. And we look forward to the day when we will be saved to sin no more. Until that day comes, help us to keep looking to you in faith, to keep confessing our sins. Please be faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's take a few moments to meditate.